This is Elevate's Climate Changemakers, highlighting leaders in equity work and climate action. This season, we're having conversations with creators who are centering climate and environmental justice in their art. Let's dive in and meet today's changemaker. Welcome to Climate Changemakers, a podcast by Elevate. We work to make sure that everyone has healthy, safe, affordable heat, power, and water in their homes. I'm Ann Evans. I'm CEO at Elevate and today's host. Please meet Amrit, my co-host. Hi, I'm Amrit Suj, Communications Associate at Elevate and this episode's co-host. This episode, we wanted to center around artists. The climate crisis is very real and we all need to do our part. Isn't that right, Ann? Thank you, Amrit. Today, we're really excited to meet with Judy Natal, a photographer, a writer, a former professor at Columbia College. Her work has been seen all over the world. So Judy, we like to start by not actually asking you about your work, but asking you about your well-being. How is the world treating you? And how are you taking care of yourself? I'm great. Thank you so much, Anne Amrit. We li- we're in a really remarkable time uh, that is full of um, opportunity and full of um, despair, I would say. And so I kind of ride the crest of these highs and lows like everybody. And the sanctuary that I go to is my roof garden. And uh, every day I'm up there uh kind of fingers in the dirt and uh, celebrating the wonders of nature and the kind of uh, keeps me attuned to the weather, to feel the weather, to smell it, to hear it, to touch it. So I'm good. Thank you. So when I first heard of the Weather Diaries, I thought it was a documentation of the weather over time. Tell us more about that and how it started. The Weather Diary started as a direct result of a professional review with the publisher mm-hmm. and, uh, and where I was showing him my uh, previous work, Another Storm is Coming, which was a commission to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. And when I showed my portfolio, he publisher scoffed and he said, uh, this is a local issue. This is a local issue, or at best, a regional one. And so I was outraged by his response. And I snapped my portfolio closed, and I literally shook my finger in his face. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I said, shame on you. It's thinking like that that is keeping us in this place of uh, of ignorance and and inaction. Well, I needless to say, I, I burned that bridge with the publisher. <laughs> um, and I went back to my studio in Chicago and I was kind of in despair uh, because I realized how difficult and how many obstacles are in front of us. And so I pledged to myself I would find a project that would never be called regional or local. And I read and read and read, and I landed on the weather. It's something that we all experience. It starts almost every conversation uh, with strangers or friends or family. We all can relate to it. We have all been 
awed or devastated by the power of the weather. And the weather moves around the globe. So what affects one community across the globe will eventually affect us in our, our local regions. And so um, I decided that the weather diaries would become this was my motivational factor. Uh, factors was to, uh, you know, um, that everyone could relate to it. And I began the weather diaries with no expectations and no answers, only questions. And um, questions have a certain insistence that um, that force us to listen instead of speak. And uh, my mother said I came out of her womb asking questions. As a professor, I, you know, my grad students were going to give me a T-shirt with question mark on it because I was known for my questions. So um, I decided it also, questions help us step out of our comfort zones. Um, asking questions encourage oral histories and um, from generation to generation. And um, questions presumes that we don't know the answer. And that was very, very important to me. So uh, that's kind of how it began. And then I decided I needed... Uh, site-specific places that would allow me to encounter weather <clears throat> within relatively short distances. So at first I thought of the United States, but it's <clears throat> so vast that from going to one end to the other would take days, weeks, months. So I decided I would work with islands uh, because they encapsulate uh, the complex environmental issues, sea level rise, species extinction, invasive species, uh, devastate, you know, loss of uh, land and the rise and, and shoreline. And so um, I landed on Iceland, the Faroe Islands, and Hawaii. And uh, I the project weaves together these three somewhat disparate sites, but they share this, these common issues uh, of how climate change affects them, overpopulation, overdevelopment, uh, overtouristed. I mean, it can kind of go on and on. Thank you so much, Judy. That was a really compelling, compelling story. I love the way this project started based on your work around Katrina and and your um, response to the publisher. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you had had that response and it has led to such amazing work in the Weather Diaries. I am curious to know from a personal perspective what really drives you to incorporate the environment and the climate crisis in your work. I started out as a fine art photographer. I come out of modernism and the Bauhaus and uh, and galleries were sort of and museums and were sort of the altar with which you know I kind of went to. Uh, but over the years, that has gradually changed. And as our environmental issues have become more and more pressing, mm -hmm. I just couldn't make sense of, you know, yet another show and having my work being in yet another collection and to do yet another book. Um, because there were these, this, there is nothing 
more important than climate change. There's nothing more compelling. There's nothing more pressing. Uh, we are the earth. We are the life of the earth. And as we damage the earth, we're damaging ourselves. So I gradually, I just had this reckoning and said, I can't make this work anymore. It doesn't, having another show doesn't matter to me. And, but was, was becoming more important was community and the idea of collectives. And I realized I couldn't do it. I couldn't solve these problems myself. Um, and I gradually began to change my art practice, my photography, uh, because I could no longer, it was not me, the artist, or I call it the I. Uh, it was definitely having to become the we. And that other, my realization of what other people were doing to uh, address this, these climate issues, to talk about sustainable practices, I realized that I had the skills to facilitate um, spotlights on these individuals um, and to step out of my own artistic way, I call it my own artistic ego, and allow them to come forward to begin to tell us about uh, their way, ways that they were discovering um, how to address these pressing climate issues. And I have to say that on a very deeply personal level, it's been a profound experience. Uh, I, after I, I do a portrait and a video interview with every person who participates with me. And afterward, I feel like I'm molecularly changed wow. by that experience, like deeply changed. Uh, this was especially true in Hawaii, uh, where I studied with um, six kahunas or teachers. And I was trying to grasp the profound meanings of something called Aloha Aina, which is a um, ancient cosmology uh, of Native Hawaiians. And it's not a Western perspective. It's in a, a traditional ecological knowledge, and it's from a, uh, a, a, a it's a unification of all the earth systems that include us, that we're not separate from it. Judy, that was so exciting to hear about how these experiences have changed you. Can you talk about another experience that really changed you deeply? Sure. Uh, well, it ha the, f the first example I'll give is that I arrived in Hawaii, never have been there, and uh, the Merwin Conservancy was facilitating my ability to, to be in Hawaii. And I was invited to a Yule Log uh, New Year's Christmas celebration. And uh, we were asked to all gather around the fire outside. It's Hawaii, after all, <laughs> in, in December. And, uh, and 
there was a, a prayer that was chanted and it literally went to the tips of my toes and people embraced each other and uh, I, my Western part of my brain was fighting with my emotional and spiritual part of my brain. On the one hand, I thought, this is really hokey, that's the Western part. Uh, and then there was this profound um, emotional response. And it literally occurred to me, standing there embraced by strangers, that I was, not go I was going to come out of this a different person. And that was both exhilarating and it was also scary. Um, another time uh, I was photographing with individuals. I know photographers say don't share the work, you know, with your participants, uh, with your subjects, but I think of them as participants and I immediately share the work. I do a little tiny bit of color correction and that's it, you know, and I, I send thumbnails. And Kiala Ching uh, called me and he said, you can't use these. And I was like, why not? And he said, because I have my back to the ocean. And I was like, and that's bad because why? And it's like turning your back on your mother. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, we had a long negotiation uh, to resolve that. And it, was another way of understanding the world and that brought me right up against my own Western ideology. And, um, and I'm happy to say that we found a very happy uh, resolution to the situation. And, uh, and I'm still very thrilled with the images and I have his permission to use them. Uh, so I think those are a couple examples where I find myself in this unknowing, unknowable spaces that I ha have to open myself up to these experiences that are both terrifying and wonderful at the same time. And I think sometimes when audiences look at art, they forget that what it might take to make the work uh, there were there have been times when I have felt I've really been on an edge of all kinds of things, personal, emotional, spiritual, um, intellectual. And, um, and I love that about art. I love the not knowing. It's uncomfortable. Uh, but you work toward clarity. You work toward the light. And... Uh, it's a powerful thing. Art is it's a powerful thing. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. <laughs> very well. Yeah, very fascinating. What do you anticipate your audience takes away from your work, and what's the response you seek? I want to... I'm not looking for answers, but I'm hoping I can share my curiosity, my wonder, um, at times my grief uh, about what I see happening um, and my hope 
that we're going to uh, help each other. We're, you know, the old saying, the stronger, we're stronger together. Uh, and to invite people into their emotions. This is the most emotional body of work I've ever done. I feel very naked, uh, having stepped out of my comfort zone. Um, and I want people to know it's okay to live in those emotions, to feel those emotions, like we feel the air, the rain, the wind. And it's, it's not like... Uh, and we're doing it together because I don't know where we're going or how we're doing it. But that's the beauty of creative practice is that you start with not knowing but wanting to find out. And that's what I've been doing with this. Well, I've done that all my life with my work. But especially with this project, I'm doing it because I really don't know. I don't pretend to be a scientist, although my research is very intersectional with every kind of science and climate science. Um, it's intersectional with myth and story. It's intersectional with cr the art of craft and the history of craft in uh, indigenous communities. Uh, it touches on so many things that I can't, I'm not an expert, but I want to share and invite my audience along for the ride, along to hear the questions and to celebrate and be inspired like I am by the individuals that I'm meeting and speaking with. I love that. Finally, what gives you hope? You inspire us, but who inspires you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> I, I am a rabid researcher, uh, and I am a book reviewer, uh, and I've uh, requested that the publication that I write for send me uh, books to review about art and the environment. Um, oh, geez. So you know, poets, writers, musicians, filmmakers. Uh, I think of um, Robin Wall Kimmerer is kind of one of my top sources of inspiration. Uh, Rebecca Solnit, uh, Joy Williams, the poet. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And the films and the, the music and... Um, I just, I feel like a sponge. And right now there's so much being written about climate and the environment, people who have an expertise that I don't have. I'm going back to people like Thomas Merton and his Seeds of Contemplation uh, to find that spiritual well to tap into in terms of how to connect with the earth and the natural world. Um, I, I just have this image in my head of uh, my books and for every project I create a library. Uh, so right now I am in the midst of creating the weather library and it's a very organic kind of um, result of my research because and that gets exhibited or published or donated 
to whoever uh, participates in the work. And um, I insist, in fact, that it gets exhibited uh, with, if if and when this gets exhibited. That uh, So people walk through and they look at the video and they look at the photographs and they hear the stories and then they go to the library and they pull out a volume on meteorology or uh, or on Tom, of Thomas Merton's you know talk or the Pope Francis uh, encyclical of climate change or the UN climate report all of these things are part of this weather diaries library and so it's lifting the veil on my sources of inspiration I have a very strong response to artists who show you the end result, but you have no idea where it comes from. I want people to know where it comes from, and I want to share those sources of inspiration. So I'm so glad you asked, and uh, yeah, uh, and I'm a confessed bookaholic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Judy. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I'm so grateful for your work. Thank for you. what you've shared about your own journey. It's, it's just really, truly inspiring to me and to Amrit, yeah. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, I, and I know our audience as well. So um, just deep, deep gratitude from us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this amazing conversation with Judy Natal, artist, thinker, writer, teacher, Professor Emeritus at Columbia College, Chicago. 